Good morning. How's everyone doing? We awake this morning? Second service is, is my family. You are my people. We believe that Jesus doesn't get up until 1045. No, um, just I'm being facetious, so write me an email. It's okay. Um, but good morning. I'm so excited to be with you and to finish out our series that we've been in for the month of August, Are We There Yet? And I've heard so many fun stories and testimonies about how God has used this and just encouraged you, and we're so thankful for that. Um, how many know that the Word of God is, is well, if you're here, Sweet. Okay, thanks, John. All right, if our ushers would come. I got really excited. I really wanted to preach this message, but thanks, John. Got my back. This is important to you. Um, I, I, I believe that God has blessed us. If you're, if you're a Christian, I believe that God has blessed you to be a blessing. He has he is given to us so that we can be generous and um, and that starts with trusting God with what is already his. And, and so regardless of the amount that we give this morning, if God is laying something on your heart, just be obedient to that. Because I guarantee he will bless it. God doesn't look at, at uh, quantity. He looks at the quality of the giver. Um, he wasn't impressed by the Pharisees and their huge uh, amounts that they gave. He was impressed by the, the young widow with just the two mites. And so um, whatever that is, I encourage you to trust God and be faithful with that because he does not return void. He, he will bless you in ways you cannot imagine. So let's pray this morning over our offering. God, we thank you so much for the gifts that you've given us, that you love us and that you have blessed us. I, I thank you for trusting us um, to steward what you've given us. So I pray that as we trust you with what is, is yours, that you would just bless these gifts and bless the giver that gives them. In your name, amen. Thank you, ushers. Like I was saying before I was kindly interrupted by John, because it wasn't rude, it was kind. Um, he was helping me. Thanks, Pastor John. Um, but uh, if, for those that don't know me, my name is Jeff, and I'm one of the pastors here at Crossroad. Our lead pastor has been on a sabbatical this much, and sabbatical is just a cool word of saying he just took some time off just to recharge and reflect and refresh. And so I encourage you, just this is the last week of a sabbatical, and just to pray for Pastor Dale and Sherry. Pray for um, just that he would be refreshed, that his vision would be charged, that their marriage would be awesome. How many, like, at at 70 years old want an awesome marriage? Amen? Like, how many, you know, my goal, one of my goals in life is to be able to dunk a basketball in my 40s to bench press 250 pounds in my 50s, and to celebrate 50 years of marriage with my wife. And, and I think that's important to, to steward those and have goals for that. So just pray for Pastor Dale and Sherry this last week. Pray that this week would be amazing. They've jam-packed a lot of stuff in there. They're in Bend right now um, celebrating his high school reunion. So just pray for them, and uh, we're thankful for them. I'm excited he's coming back because he's, uh, he's probably a little stir-crazy. So... Uh, <laughs> Watch out. Um, but uh, for those, anyways, all that to be said, we've been in the book of Joshua in this series, Are We There Yet? And it's just talking about how do we get ready to move into the purposes and the promises that God has for us? How do we get ready for that? And so um, we've, we've gone through uh, looking at Joshua chapter 3 through 6. And so we're, we're kind of finishing that out this morning. But if you are able, would you stand with me this morning as we read God's word? Um, God desires to meet with us and, and to speak with us. And I love that um, vision, prayer and vision precede our, our promise. And so Joshua is met here by God or by the Lord of, of, of heaven's army. So this is what it says. 
When Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, a man was standing before him with his sword drawn in his hand. That's a little intimidating. That's not a good way to meet somebody. You have a weapon drawn, and Joshua asks a very important question here that I would probably ask too. He asks, Joshua went to him and said, are you for us or are you for our adversaries? In other words, like, what are you going to do with that sword? Is that on my team or is that against me? Because that's a little intimidating. Uh, and, And the man said, no, but I am the commander of the army of the Lord. Now I have come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped and said to him, what does my Lord say to his servant? And the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, take off your sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. You can be seated this morning as we pray. God, we thank you that this is a holy moment. And so we want to just strip away everything in our lives, God, that would um, be a barrier of your pre- from your presence. Um, we want you to speak to our hearts. So right now we put aside all hurts and worries and distractions and anxieties this morning and, and just say, God, speak. Your servant is listening. For those that maybe are in this place, God, that don't know you, I pray that this would be a time for you to speak to their lives and that they would experience a real God um, for their real life questions. And we're thankful that you don't just have answers to questions we're not asking God, but you have questions for answers that apply to our life. So I pray that you would speak to us and give us vision and ears to hear. In your name, amen, amen. Everyone say, proceed to the root with me this morning. Um, If you've lived any amount of life, you've realized that technology has changed things, right? Technology has changed things. We are living in fun times. Um, More has changed in in 70 years than has in since the 17th century. It's an accelerated rate right now. But how many can remember, I can barely remember, a time where there was not internet, Like, anyone really? Like, some here are probably like, what, there was a time where there wasn't internet? I see some young people are like, what? Like, that's a thing? What did you do? There was no Netflix? What's going on? Um, How did you talk? Uh, No, but uh, it was weird, right? And then anyone remember on road trips where you would have to take out these maps, right, to figure out where you were going to go? Just look in and you're like, okay, here's the map. And, and, and the famous scene from Tommy Boy where uh, Richard's getting directions. You know, anyone ever seen that movie? And, and the guy says, you have the wrong map. And Richard's kind of being a smart aleck. And the guy's like, this is the wrong map. But I remember just how maps were hard to fold as a child. And you would, you, I'd mismatch the creases and fold it the wrong way. And then it'd be like just a mess in my hands. And then I'd get so frustrated that I'd just like shove it in the glove box and be like, uh Hopefully my mom or my dad won't find out and see it this way and be like, who folded this map last? Anyone with me there? But, and then technology kind of changed and the internet came about and you could use Google Maps on your computer and print out directions. Like anyone remember doing that? Um, some still do that. That's cool. But <laughs> it's okay. I wasn't, that wasn't, uh, all right. I'm going to get some emails. Um, <laughs> but then this thing called the smartphone came out and it changed everything because there was an app where you could plug in your directions and, and it would tell you where to go. I've, um, I can remember when Jenny and I, we were on a hot date in the Salem area. Hello. It was awesome. It was during the summertime. We're so just, it was cool enough. Just holding her hand was enough, you know? Those days where that was amazing. I encourage you, if you're married, just hold your spouse's hand. It's okay. 
do it. Um, but we, were, we decided to go to Silver Falls. And I'm kind of an Apple elitist, I know, pray for me. And the iPhone 3 had just came out. It was the first iPhone that revolutionized the market. And uh, um, Apple had decided to design their own Maps app. And it was called just Maps. It wasn't Google Maps, it was just Maps. And so I was so excited because I could finally leave this Google Maps thing behind and go to the real product of Maps because I was, was better because it was Apple. Um, and so I, I had been to Silver Falls multiple times as a child, but how many know life in the back seat and the passenger seat is different than in the driver's seat? You remember things a little different. And so I plugged it in. And Siri began to talk and, and uh, do this. And so we, we came, well, actually didn't. It was just right here because Siri wasn't involved then. But uh, we, we were driving and we were having a lovely time. And we decided to just keep going down this country road. And all of a sudden, the Maps app directed us to turn left on this gravel road. Now, when I say gravel road, it's not like these tiny rocks. These were rocks that wanted to destroy my wife's car, okay? Like boulders, okay? Um, and, and so we turn, I'm like, this doesn't look like the way that I went as a kid, but again, life's different in the backseat. And so I'm like, maybe it's a shortcut, you know? I don't know. Maps wouldn't lie to me. And so I turn, and I'm dodging these lakes in the middle of the road um, with my little, like, Volkswagen bug, super secure myself, by the way, you know, driving a bug. Uh, but, uh, and about three, three miles down the road, I started to think to myself, this, isn't the, this probably isn't the right way. When the Maps app decides to tell me to park my vehicle and proceed and walk to my destination. <laughs> and so I'm like, what? And so I get, you know, I, I stop the car, I get out, and there's water. There's no water anywhere to be found. There's no sound of water falling. I'm in the middle of a field. And I was just so frustrated. And all I hear from the car is, proceed to the route, proceed to the route, proceed to the route. And I'm like, what? No, this isn't the right way. It had betrayed me. And it was underdeveloped and released too soon. Um, now it's better. So Apple all the way. But anyways, I think in life, as frustrating as that was for me, I think in life sometimes... Um, we live lives that we, we kind of have a destination in mind, but the source of our revelation and direction is flawed. And so oftentimes we don't get to the place we, we want to go because we don't define um, where we want to go. And so um, in order to move to promise, to move into purpose, we have to define that. And that starts and end with, ends with prayer. We need revelation and vision from God. Um, prophetic vision, because there's a difference between just vision. You know, many businesses have a vision statement. I believe that vision is man-made, but revelation comes from God. So we need revelation for our lives, and that starts and continues with prayer. It's all about prayer. I can only find God-centered and, and God-inspired revelation when I'm, when I'm talking to God, when I'm seeking that, and, and that can only be accomplished by God as I continue to believe for that and, and pray for that. And, and so, again, I want to talk around the idea this morning that prayer and vision precede promise. Prayer and vision precede promise. Um, we, you know, because oftentimes we, we live this life and, and it ends up having these vague plans. Um, this starts with an attitude, though. And before we, we start praying for vision and start praying for purpose, we need to believe one thing. We need to believe that God is for us. If we don't believe that God is for us, we're going to pray timid prayers and not believe that, oh, God, I hate to bug you, but can you? No, we need to believe that God is for us. It starts with that confidence. It has to be rooted in that, in the faith that, God, you are for me. 
because that's found in Scripture. If you look at Matthew 7, 7 through 11, we're not going to turn there, but you can check it out. But it says in that passage that our Heavenly Father desires to give good gifts, good gifts to his kids. Yesterday, we, I had the privilege of, with family and friends, to celebrate Lainey's first birthday. It was awesome. A little late because her birthday's on the 11th. But I got to give her some gifts, and some other people got to give her some gifts that were just filled her full of joy. I mean, she was like, what? This is amazing. Like this water table my sister got her. She just loves splashing in it, and it's so fun. It was a pain in the butt to put together, but it's okay. I love her. Um, but it says in Matthew 7 that how much more, like we who are wicked people, who are good fathers and give good gifts to our kids, we're not going to give our kid a scorpion or a rock or say, hey, go play with a sharp pair of scissors or, you know, the stove's on, go jump on it. You know, I mean, we're not going to do that. That would be messed up. But it says how much more we who are evil and sinful, who love our kids and give good gifts, how much more is a perfect God who, who is sinless and, and, and loves abundantly going to give good gifts to his kids. So we have to have this confidence, church, that before I seek vision, before I seek um, where I want to go, I have to believe that God is for me. He is for you. And, and, and God's so much better. So we need this. So here's what the story um, of Joshua and the miracle at Jericho, how it transpired as we continue in Joshua chapter 6, if you're in your Bible or it's on the screen. It says, now Jericho was shut up inside and outside because of the people of Israel. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and its mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all the men of war going around the city at once. Thus shall you do for six days. Seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. On the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times. And the priest shall blow the trumpets. And when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, then the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city will fall down flat. And the people will go up, everyone straight before him. So Joshua the son of Nun called the priests and said to them, Take up the ark of the covenant and let the seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord. And he said to the people, go forward, go forward, march around the city and let the armed men pass on before the ark of the Lord. And just as Joshua had commanded the people, the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of the ram's horns before the Lord went forward, blowing the trumpets with the ark of the covenant of the Lord following them. The armed men were walking with the priests who were blowing the trumpets, and the rear guard was walking after the ark while the trumpets blew continually. But Joshua commanded the people, You shall not shout or make a sound or make your voice be heard, neither shall a word go out from your mouth until the day I tell you to shout. Then you shall shout. So he caused the ark of the Lord to circle the city, going about it once, and they came back into camp and spent the night in the camp. Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and the priests took up the ark, and the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of the ram's horns before the ark of the Lord walked on, and they blew the trumpets continually. And the armed men were walking before them, and the rear guard was walking after the ark of the Lord, while the priests blew the trumpets continually. The second day they marched around the city once and returned into camp. So they did for six days. On the seventh day they rose early at dawn, at the dawn of day, and marched around the city in the same manner seven times. It was only on that day that they marched around the city seven times. 
And at the seventh time, when the priests had blown the trumpets, Joshua said to the people, shout, for the Lord has given you the city. What a vision, what a picture. But if you think about the context, let's look at the context of Jericho. So Jericho, we think of tall walls, but there was two walls around Jericho. The first was an outer wall, and the outer wall was six foot wide. It was mud brick solid. And they had an inner wall that was 50 feet high. So from a distance, this looked like an impenetrable fortress. This, this, you know, was intimidating. The Israelites had just crossed over the Jordan. They had just celebrated Passover. They had believed that God would do this. But this is an intimidating first battle into the promised land. Pretty big one. 50 foot inner walls, 6 foot thick mud brick walls around the, the exterior of the city. And Joshua comes and says, I have a plan. They're, the soldiers, the army is probably excited to hear this. And Joshua's like, priests, you're going to go first with seven trumpets and we're going to walk. That's a little weird. You know, if I was a soldier, I'd probably be like, can we use a battering ram? You know, can that work? Maybe we'll, siege tactics would probably be like, let's cut their water source off and then shoot fiery arrows over the top. That would be good. But no, Joshua says, we're going to walk. Now, context again, the Israelites had been walking for 40 years. Some of them. The youngest had been walking for 40 years. That's 14,600 days of putting one foot in front of the other and walking. And Joshua says, they're asking Joshua, how are we going to conquer Jericho, this fortress? And Joshua says, we're going to walk. <laughs> what? Doesn't make sense. This isn't a good, this doesn't seem like a wise piece of advice. But, but here's the thing, when vision is 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 a part of it, it changes everything. It can change a, a, a simple task, a mundane task, and make it a holy task. Um, we can either walk to wander, or we can walk to wonder. We can walk just to wander around like they had, or we can walk into the wonder of what will God do? What will God do? Revelation and prayer and purpose make all the difference in our lives. Some of us, if I guarantee if I, if I put, took a mic down and went around this story, we could around this room, we could hear stories of pain. I think of the Israelites watching their, the, the younger Israelites watching as they walked around the desert for 40 years, seeing their friends and family die because of their disobedience, because they refused to obey and trust God. It's painful. It's painful. But here's the thing about God. God will use the painful to prepare you for the plentiful. God will use painful things in your life to prepare you for plentiful things. Um, and God wants us to circle our dreams, just like they did, to circle the promises in prayer. So we're going to talk around the idea of, of prayer and vision this morning. So we need to proceed with precision. We need to proceed with precision. We need to define Jericho. Um, more than a thousand years after the Jericho miracle, another Jericho or another miracle happened just in, in the same place. Jesus was walking outside of Jericho when two blind men hailed him down like a taxi, saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on us. Have mercy on us. And, and, and these two blind guys, the disciples are kind of trying to shoo him away, but Jesus is like, they can come, come on. And the blind guys come up, and Jesus asked them an interesting question, I think. He asked them, what do you want me to do for you? They're blind. I mean, it's pretty obvious, right? So Jesus wasn't asking them the question because he needed to know, but he wanted them to define their miracle. He wanted them to know what they were asking. 
And I think if the, the tragedy is, I think if Jesus came to many of us in this room and asked, what do you want me to do for you? I don't know if we'd be able to answer that. I don't know if we defined that. I think we're kind of just like, I just want to live and, and survive, but there's not a vision for, I, for my family, for my career, for this, a, a, a godly vision, a godly revelation of those things. So how do we define that? What do you want me to do for, for you? We need to define Jericho. We need to spell it out. Now, Jericho has different spellings. Maybe you're here and you're facing a, a life-threatening illness or cancer. Jericho could be spelled for you healing, to circle that, to continue to say, God, I'm believing for healing. Maybe you're in this place and, and your family is splintering apart. You're not sure if your marriage is going to make it through the end of the week. Maybe Jericho for you is restoration. Maybe you're so mad at, at this member in your family and you can't get past that and you said, we're never going to hang out. Like our family doesn't get along. We're just estranged and broken and shattered. It, it, it could be restoration. Maybe you have a family member or a friend that doesn't know Jesus and you are just like, I don't know what to do, God. I want them to know you. Maybe your Jericho is salvation for that friend. Maybe, maybe you're just in, in, in a situation where um, you've hit a wall, you've hit hurt, you've hit hard times, and you're like, God, I don't know how we're going to make it, and you're needing provision, so Jericho could be provision. Maybe it's a zip code. You know, this morning, I, got, I drove around our campus here, around the block, and just prayed for you. I prayed for everyone that was coming to church this morning that God would just speak to you, that would make himself so real to you, and speak to where you're at, because I think that without his his ability to do that. This is just a fun gathering of friends, but it's, it's not a divine moment and a holy moment, but when God is involved and when his spirit meets us where we need it the most, that's a holy moment. So I was praying for you, I, I, you know, circling our schools and believing God for miracles. I, was, I pray for our schools. It could be a zip code. It could be a money amount. Um, as I, I just thank you for being a faithful church as we give to, to missions projects and just believe um, that especially in Africa's hope and translating uh, the discovery series uh, so that leaders and pastors there can, can expand the gospel in Africa. Thank you for believing in that. It could be a dollar amount. Um, but like the two men, blind men in Jerusalem, we're in a desperate need to encounter the Son of God, to encounter Jesus. Um, and we need to answer that question, what do you want me to do for you? Because God's still asking that question. He's a God that gives good gifts. He's a God that's for you. This isn't a prosperity doctrine because God will not be blackmailed. He will not be duped. And he will not be persuaded to do something that's outside of his character. So I'm, if you have these goals like, oh, my Jericho is a Ferrari and uh, 10,000 bucks, please. Um, our motives will be checked. So what does Jericho look like? So the application for this is like, don't just read your Bible. Don't just read the Bible, but circle the promises that God says in the Bible. Believe those. Start to, to pray those. Start circling your promises. Don't just make a wish, but, but write down goals. Write down goals, like God-oriented goals. Um, uh, it said that goals are dreams with a deadline. And, uh, and I encourage you to write them down because the, uh, the shortest pencil is longer than the longest memory. So write them down. Keep a prayer journal. Um, for a year, my wife and I, we wrote down all of the prayers that we prayed. And when God would answer those prayers, we recorded the answer to that prayer with a date. 
And it was amazing at the end of the year to look back and say, look at how faithful God is. Not like this checklist of, you know, me, 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 but just to celebrate that our God answers prayer, that he hears our voice. It's amazing. So I encourage you just a couple applications there. But I remember one of the first circles that I began to draw in my life was actually right back there in, in where Haley and Riley are sitting. And it was during the week, and I came in here just to pray. I was um, just taking a quick break from the grind and, and just began to sat and sit down and just be still. And God said, begin to pray for your kids. And I didn't have any kids at that point, and I began to pray. I began to pray for um, a, a boy's name of Koa James, and I began to pray for a girl. And I just was like, God, I'm going to pray for them. And, and it was amazing that that night my life changed forever because I found out that we were having a baby girl. <laughs> Not a baby girl, but a baby. I didn't know what it was, but I was freaked out because it was a surprise. But um, <laughs> it was a blessing. We'll say it that way, you know. But it's amazing that God will prepare us. And God started that process of me circling my daughter. My, one of my Jerichos is my daughter, is Lainey. I'll circle her in prayer every night. I pray over her that God would make her bold and fierce and brave and courageous to believe in his promises, that she would be sensitive to his voice and his spirit, that she would love people well and love God well. I think we need to, we need to circle more. We need to define Jericho's in our life. What is that for you? If we're going to be have prayer and vision for our purpose and our promise, we need to proceed with consistency. We need to proceed with consistency. I'm a big fan of history. I love just studying history and, and, and what happened. And uh, there's a form of history that's called counterfactual history. Counterfactual history. And it's the study of the what if would have happened. Like, what if World War II had changed and come out differently? What if Adolf Hitler would have won? What if the Depression hadn't happened? And studying, like, kind of these cause and effects, and it makes you appreciate the greater picture of history, but what if the people of Israel had stopped at day six? What if they would have been like, ah, oh, I'm over this. My feet hurt. Like, this isn't doing anything. We're getting laughed at from the walls. This isn't a good battle plan. I'm going to grumble. I think there's a reason why Joshua said you're not going to say a word because he was like, I'm not. That was, notice that wasn't from God. That was from Joshua. Like, God didn't say you're going to be quiet. Joshua was like, you're going to be quiet, you know, because I'm not going to hear you grumble. No. But uh, I think that sometimes for us, though, we stop praying too soon. We get frustrated. We get discouraged, and we stop circling Jericho. We abandon it. And it's always too soon to stop praying because you never know if, if your next prayer will bring the wall down. You never know. And we have to live with that anticipation that God is for us and God answers prayer. In the first century, in first century B.C., there was a devastating drought that uh, threatened to eliminate an entire generation of Israelites. Um, and in recorded in the pages of the Jewish Midrash, passed down from rabbi to rabbi to rabbi, there was a man by the name of Hani. And Hani lived on the outskirts of Jerusalem. And he was a sage. And Hani believed that God still heard prayers. See, this period is called the 400 years of silence. Now, all the prophets had died off 400 years before, and there hadn't been a miracle in Israel in that time. Miracles were distant memories and false truths 
of, of hopeless, the hopeless time that faced the nation of Israel. But Hani believed that just because God hadn't spoken, God could still hear prayers. So Hani walked to the middle of Jerusalem, and he took his six-foot-long staff, and like a mathematical compass, he began to draw a circle in the dry, cracked dust. And people began to watch, what is Hani the old man doing, the sage doing? And Hani knelt down in his circle and said, Lord of all creation, I will not move from this circle until you bring rain to this land. The people within earshot looked at Hani and just amazed by the boldness of his voice. It wasn't so much his volume, but it was his resolve to say, I'm staying. And they watched. Moments later, thunder cracked in the sky and it began to rain. And they were just in awe. And they began to dance and jump in the forming puddles. And Hani, he didn't move. He wasn't satisfied. He said, Lord, for this rain I have not prayed, but for rain that would fill cisterns, cracks, and crevices. It began to pour. Eyewitnesses say that there was egg-shaped raindrops falling from the sky. I'm serious. They began to run for fear of flash flood to the Temple Mount. Hani did not move. In his quickly fading circle, he said, Lord, for this type of rain I have not prayed, but for rain of your mercy and your kindness to our people and our land. And as soon as it had, just as soon as it had started, it stopped and it began to mist down onto the land. Just a sweet, gentle mist. That day, thundercaps praised our creator and puddle jumping become, became praise to him. But quickly, as the water came and the drought subsided and the thirst was quenched and the land began to dry and mud turned to dirt again, people just continued on. But Hani, the circle maker, he started at that point. And I, I think the sun is um, circled or the earth has circled the sun more than 2,000 years since that day, but God's still looking for circle makers. He's still looking for people that will plant themselves and say, God, I'm not moving until you, you, you do something on our behalf. God's looking for people that will intercede until he'll intervene. He's, he's not looking for people that will just flake out when we're right on the edge of a miracle. God wants us to pray through. Sometimes we pray for, and I'm, I'm all for play, praying short prayers. I like to eat, um, and I, prefer, I preferably like to eat food when it's hot, so I'm not for long prayers at dinner time. I'm like, okay, God bless the grub. Thanks. All right, but, uh, but I think there's something to, to be said about praying through, about consistently saying, God, I'm not going to give up. I'm going to keep pressing, and I'm going to keep believing you for this miracle. We need to be consistent in our prayers. We can't just be flaky and get discouraged easily. We have to hold on. We have to keep walking because we never know when walls are about to fall. We never know. Because here's the simple truth. Bold prayers honor God, and, and God honors bold prayers. He's not offended by our, our bold prayers or our big dreams. He's offended by anything less. The, the difference between bold prayers and timid prayers is bold prayers are outside of our reach. They, they desperately need divine intervention. They, they are outside of our ability to do that. 
but ask God to part a Red Sea or to make the sun stand still or float an iron axe head, and God is moved to action. Um, Oswald Chambers said this. He says, prayer does not equip us for greater works. Prayer is the greater work. Prayer is the greater work in our lives. We have to pray through. We have to believe God. When we circle things too, when we begin to circle our, our promises, our Jerichos and our lives consistently, um, we get a bigger picture. I, I think about Jericho and, and as the people walked around Jericho, they probably mapped out every single rock of that place. As they were walking in silence, what else are you going to do? You can't talk about, so you're studying the wall. You're like, oh, there's that crack again, that mossy streak there. And you're, you're mapping, but you get a full picture of that. When we walk around our prayers or around our promises, we get a bigger picture of our motive. When I take time to pray, I get my motives come to light real quick, if this is a God thing or if this is a me thing. Um, when, when I walk around, I get a bigger picture of my impotence and God's omnipotence and, and my need for him. Um, and I get a, a bigger picture and a reality of my raw dependence and my need for God. God wants us to be dependent on him because raw dependence is the raw material that God uses for the greatest miracles. Raw dependence is what he uses. We have to proceed this morning with confidence. We have to proceed with confidence. Because even if we're play, praying through, sometimes it's a long process. There's still things I'm praying for. There's still things I'm circling that haven't arrived yet. But we have to proceed with confidence. I love what it says in Joshua 6. If we can kind of get a microchasm of this miracle here. It says in, in Joshua 6, 1, in, in the first part of verse 2, it says, Now Jericho was shut up. Inside and outside because of the people of Israel. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have given Jericho into your hand. Notice the verbiage there and, and the type of language that he uses there. I have. Not I will, but I have. He's talking about the present tense, not the future tense there. Not I will. And I think sometimes when God drops a promise in your lap and it's from, in your lap and it's from God, we need to praise him for it. I, I have, not I will, but I have. We need to have that confidence to say, God, I'm gonna praise you for the promise. I'm gonna praise you that this is gonna be done. I'm gonna praise you for that healing, even though it's not here yet. Joshua still had to walk around for seven days, but he had that confidence in his heart that I have, I have. And we need to have that confidence. I think about the, the, the people and the soldiers, I, I bet the first time around and the first day they're walking around the wall, they probably felt really silly. It's kind of like your mom walking you into school on the first day. And, and if you're older, you didn't want that. You're like, just drop me off at the curb. Don't do this. I'm embarrassed. Ah, mom. You know, um, and they're probably out there like, oh, we're getting ridiculed. This is so dumb. Like, oh, they're thinking these things. Obviously, they're not talking. But as the days went on and they walked more, I guarantee they got more confident. They're like, okay, I'm buying into this vision. Okay, God, I'm trusting you. And after seven days of walking around, God delivered on, on his promise. And he proved once again that his promises don't have expiration dates. And prayers don't have expiration dates. You look at the prayers of Abraham and Moses when they had prayed 
for the people of Israel when they had prayed for the promise, when they had trusted and believed God. They didn't get to see that in their lifetime, but prayers don't have expiration dates. Prayers don't have expiration dates. So I encourage you, pray for your kids. Pray for your grandkids. Pray for your friends. Pray for your future kids if you don't have any. Pray. Because prayers don't have expiration dates. They don't. God will answer prayers. I believe why our nation has been so blessed is because of the prayers of our founding fathers. We need to come back to that place of prayer. And that, back to that place of dependence where we're praying to, for revelation from God. Because only then will we, we walk into the purpose and the promise that he has for us. It starts and, and is um, held together by and fulfilled by prayer. Pray for our leaders. Uh, you know, pray for our president. Pray for, pray for our, our law enforcement. Pray for our legislation. Pray for our principals and our teachers and, and our students. I don't have to agree with someone or like someone even to pray for them. But the amazing thing happens, you know, it says that people that talk about people learn to hate people. People that pray for people learn to love people. If I will pray, I've had some some interesting bosses in my life. Some that I've really liked and some that I'm like, ah, okay, we won't go any farther there. But but I, I learned of years ago that to pray for my, my leaders that are over me. Even when I disagreed, I, you know, the moment that I started to get angry with um, a, a leader in my life or, or anything there, I started to pray for them. I started to pray for their wife. And it, it's amazing how God will change our hearts. Instead of getting bitter towards people, we begin to love people and get perspective. So pray. Proceed with confidence. Because here's the thing. After seven days of circling Jericho, God delivered on the promise. And, and as Jericho stands and falls, it's a testament of, of the truth that if we keep circling a promise, God will ultimately deliver on it. So what's Jericho in your life? What's Jericho in your life? What um, promises do you need to circle? Maybe you've stopped circling. Maybe you're not consistent. You've got discouraged and you've left that area and you're like, I've just, it's never going to happen. What do you need to, where do you need to start praying again this morning? Let's pray together. God, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you for your promise. I pray that as we enter a new school year, Lord, a new time, that as we move from where we are into your promise, God, that we would pray more, that we would believe for greater things to happen in our lives and in the lives of um, our community. I pray for our community. I thank you for your love for the people in our community. I pray that we would be an accurate reflection and representation of that. Give us divine revelation this morning, God. For our families, Lord. For our marriages, for our jobs, God. For even our time, Lord. It says in your word that our days are numbered. You know every single one of them, God. I pray we wouldn't waste the days that we've been given wandering in the wilderness of this vague life 
in these timid prayers, God, but that we would step into the wonder of your revelation, God, in bold prayers. And we would begin to draw circles in our community and believe that walls are going to fall, that lives are going to be changed. God, that our faith will be grown. Thank you, Jesus, for this moment, for this time. We love you so much, Lord. And we're thankful. This morning, if you're in this place and maybe you're saying, I have never experienced this Jesus before, but something in my life today is, is, is different. And there's this moment where I desire to meet Jesus. This Jesus that you talk about, Pastor Jeff, like, I don't have it figured out, and I, I have some things in my life that aren't, aren't there, but I want to take a step of faith this morning and to trust him. I want to take a step today and circle my life and say, God, would you make the walls of my heart fall down, and would you meet me in the place of my brokenness and my hurt? that's you, could you just slip a hand up where you're at with, with eyes down and, or heads down and eyes closed? Awesome. Awesome. Thank you, Lord. And would everyone, if you just out of respect and just so no one's left out, would pray with me this morning, I'm going to form some words and you attach your faith to it. You make this come from your heart. Dear God, thank you for meeting with me today. Thank you for sending Jesus to live a perfect life. Thank you for making him my replacement. Today, Lord, I circle my life with the promise that you are enough. Today, Lord, I surrender my hopes, my dreams, and my plans to you. I ask God that you would give me a revelation for your plans, for your promises, and your purposes today. Amen. God, we're so thankful that, that friends today met you. We're thankful. Can we just thank God for that this morning, church? It's worth celebrating. It's worth celebrating that people found hope this morning. Um, and I hope that you're encouraged. I hope that you're inspired, and I hope you're equipped to, to carry forward. Are we there yet? No, we're on this journey called life. And it's got its bumps and its ups and downs. But here's the thing. We have a God that desires to walk with us, that desires to lead us. And his ways are so much better than my ways. And so if we will take time to trust him and to seek him and to believe bold prayers, he will answer and walls will fall. Amen. As we go into this, as we go out from this place, I encourage you, pray for your community. If you take walks at night around your neighborhood, just begin to pray for your neighbors. Maybe you're down in Old Town and you're just doing the loop. Pray for Old Town. Pray for the people that are there that God would just encounter them. Because he listens to prayers. He responds to prayers. Let's be circle makers like Hani. 
Let's draw a circle around our community, around our state, and believe that God will do the breakthrough, that God will do the life change. Amen. Let me pray for you again this morning just to bless you. If everyone stands this morning, if you're able. God, bless your people. I pray that you would walk before them as a beacon of hope and light. I pray that we would reflect you, Jesus. I pray that um, you would just give us uh, joy that's contagious. God, that our heads would not be down and low, but they would be lifted high. Not in a fake hype, God, but in just a holy righteousness and joy. God, I thank you for your people and their faithfulness. Just go with us, Lord, in your name. Amen, amen. Be blessed, have a great week, and we'll see you next week.